Welcome to the social medium. No, I'm not a medium, but I do love different mediums, like social media and podcasting. You may know me from Savar Vive by JJ or My Beauty Fuel Food by JJ. Now I am a business founder and entrepreneur. Take three, let's do this. So this morning I'm here with Alexandre Vanout, who is actually British. Half French, half English. And I had no idea that you had an British accent, which is, I, I like love British accents. I think I've only heard you speak in French. Really? Do you speak a lot in English? Yeah, I speak a lot. I feel much more at ease speaking English and French. I feel less harsh when I speak English. So you have a mother or father that's French yeah. and vice versa. Yeah. Mum's English, dad's French. Grew up in Paris until the age of 13 and then went to boarding school from 13 to 18 in England. Okay. And then went to university in England and then came back to Paris when I was 21. So... And did you come back to Paris because you were like, I like love Paris, I want to start my career here, or... I think it was from a very young age, more strategic. I knew that most big fashion companies and CEOs and groups were in Paris. And that if I wanted to position myself, at first I wanted to work in a magazine, which is what I did. And I was like, okay, well, nothing's better than Vogue Paris at the time and Numéro Magazine at the time, etc. So it was really more, more, yeah, strategic than because I love Paris, although I do love Paris. And what did you study? Like, did you have like a, I, I want to do this in fashion, so I'm going to study this? Yeah, I mean, my parents were quite um, against me studying fashion as a bachelor because they were like, if you don't like fashion after four years' time, your degree basically is worth nothing. True. So we'd rather you do an undergrad that's a little bit more general, um, which I did Mandarin Chinese for four years and lived in China for a year. That's interesting. Yeah. And then I did my MA at London College of Fashion studying styling. Okay. Yeah. So I have, so I kind of, I think that was really good advice, actually. I actually, um, I think it's really interesting that they give you the advice about fashion in that way, because um, I did the same as you and I studied French. um, And I'm really glad that I did because it was fun. And also I feel like. My parents said, Alex, if you really like fashion every summer, because at um, um, England University, English universities, you, you get a really long summer, about three months. Okay. That you can intern for a month and a half in magazines. Mm-hmm. And I always feel like that's also why I really started working the best, because every single summer um, I would be working, you know, for free for a month in a yeah. magazine. Or, I mean, they really kind of taught me the value of work and the value of money, because I was for a month doing that. And then the month of August, I'd work in them. Um, the Deauville Cinema, they've got a big festival every summer, mm-hmm. tickets, which actually was really good fun. It's an American film festival, yeah, right? Yeah, American, Deauville American Film Festival, exactly. It was really good fun. I made really good money. And I just feel like those two values of working the half and half makes also makes your character when you grow up a little bit more. Um, so yeah, so that's basically why I moved to Paris. And what made you take the step to want to start your own company? I mean, I think most companies start with a frustration or a need. Mm -hmm. Um, It's much easier to discuss your company if you can talk about it from really from deep down and have a really good why. And as a fashion assistant, you have about 500 fashion shows four times a year, nothing to categorize them. So my job would be like, Literally to go and look through every single show to find all the red dresses for a shoot for a fashion shoot mm-hmm. magazine, and I'm renowned to be very impatient, which mm-hmm. I am, but just because I just always like moving forward. I hate yeah nation, and I was wasting so much time, particularly for a shoot, for two very 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 famous people, 
with Peter Lindbergh before he passed away. And we needed every black dress from every single, for the last three seasons. And I think it took me maybe, what, 10 days to screenshot all of them and put them in a PDF, compress a PDF, send it to my boss, who was a really big stylist. And then at that point, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like, this is just, it's just, it's ridiculous. So that day I started tackle. Really wow. selfishly, I guess, Dan. What it, it's like computer engineering, what you had to do? Like, how actually did you create it? I think because I was very young, which is also a good thing. I wasn't really thinking so far ahead as I yeah. was engineering. So I had a very clear vision of what I wanted. And I think you cannot start a company if you don't have a very clear vision. I didn't really have a business plan, I'm not going to lie. Do we know how it's going to monetize it? Not going to lie. But I really knew what I wanted and why it would be useful. And then I get on well with a lot of people. Um, I'm someone to be in contact with a dev, with a, with a tech guy who I get on so well with, but the company grew too much and now he's not with us anymore, but I'm still very good contact with him. And he created like a back office where we could upload the images, tag them manually to start with, uh-huh. which is six years, seven years ago. And the platform was like super simple, super clean. I knew exactly what I wanted. So obviously it makes the job much easier. And um, yeah, kind of, I, d- I feel like when you're 26, you don't really see any problems. Like you've got no abilities. I mean, you have no kids. I have no kids. Yeah. You know, no kids. You're, you, everything, you can put your flat on Airbnb to get money. Like, yeah. I don't know. There's something a bit free at that age where the responsibilities of life haven't quite caught up with you yet. Totally. Um, which for me is a really good way to also start a company. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And it's really interesting because um, I, you know, you mentioned like practically coming to Paris. It's where you can actually have an impact on fashion. I mean, there's other places, but Paris is really the center. Um, I as well, like at 18, thought I wanted to like be the head of a fashion house. And I had no idea what that even was. I still don't even really know what it is. Yeah. What was your dream um, when you were younger, before Tagway? You really wanted to become um, editor-in-chief of a magazine. Okay. That was like, I looked up so much to these stylists and editors. I thought they were just the coolest thing ever. And then after being in a magazine for about two, three years, I realized that their life was kind of terrible and super miserable and kind of fake also yes yeah. so it's a lot of it's a it's a lot of appearances and in the end I, I feel like it it wasn't quite what I wanted yeah and, and also I think digital started really arriving at that time so yeah Instagram kind of arrived around that time um a little bit more powerfully and then you know TikTok not yet but things were moving quite quickly influencers started really arriving at that time and you could see a shift between media and the digital, which was happening. So now you have digital media, of course, but I don't know. I just felt like it was the wrong people at the head who just wouldn't want to leave their place. And you would never let young people kind of take over. Mm-hmm. And it's just, yeah, I just didn't want to be underpaid for something which I didn't feel really passionate about. I, I mean, being not underpaid for something you love is one thing, but. Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's actually true. That's also something that, I mean, I think is rarely discussed like as well but like working at a magazine with the exception of certain roles like you're not paid a ton of money or not paid your pain in nature because you get a lot of presents and a lot of gifts which is great but that also doesn't pay your rent no um so when you're young you can do it because your rent's usually very very and my first rent was tiny yeah um and it's obviously like you get loads of presents and that's amazing but i always feel like like everything in life it kind of wears off a little bit Mm mm-hmm and 
although I love getting presents and I Mm -hmm. get some and I got a pair of earrings yesterday which I'm obsessed with but you still feel like you're you're worth it yeah than just being being paid by presents right so totally that comes with age I think yeah there's always a a time for everything so right before we got started you were like I'm gonna do a little reel because my life looks so fabulous but it's it's not as fabulous as it seems what does a day in the life of Alexandra Um, look like so I wake up at I mean I always say that because people always see me and on on Instagram is an issue oh of course because people always see the really fun cool stuff I do but then they don't really see all the backstage of it which I think is also an important lesson for the younger people definitely Um, and I wake up between 7 and 7.15 every single day. I'm out running at 7.30 on the dots. Okay. Before that, I haven't checked my Instagram. I haven't checked my WhatsApp. Um, I go through my emails as I brush my teeth just to make sure nothing urgent happened during the night. Go running for 45 minutes. It's like, and it's just like military operation in the morning. Yes. Come back at 8.15, have a shower, wash my hair. By then, I haven't even checked Instagram yet. Then I have tea or coffee, depending on how I'm feeling. Then I get 10 minutes to go through WhatsApp, Instagram, what went on during the night, what are the news, like anything, break, break, yeah. et cetera. Um, I always look at my emails just before going to work again, because I like arriving to work with a clean slate. Yeah. Um, and my flagged emails I have to reply to urgently or talk to with my team. That's something which to me is important. I hate arriving at the office, having like a million emails to read, not sorted out, et cetera. Um, and then I'm just... I mean, today I've got a million meetings. I'm like yeah. back to back to back, running around like an Addis chicken until nine. I have a dinner, a work dinner. So I'm going to leave from here and then go straight to my dinner after today's work. And then I go to bed at 10 p.m. every night. And and then you do it again, do it again, basically. Yeah. So I love it, but it's just, it's more intense than people. Yeah, no, I think that people think like, oh, cool, you're going to the the presentation yeah. for yeah um from is on the metadata and then you're going to this presentation that presentation and and but they forget that you know it's not just like it it, it goes beyond that yeah i also i think when you have your company you're responsible for your employees you're responsible for your investors you're responsible for your lawyers you're responsible for your clients you're responsible for the vision the strategy so i mean there's so much more that goes into day than like going to presentations so people see the really cool stuff and I think having a company is is really really difficult. And then, and people people never 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 really they get told. And I got told that before creating Tagwalk, but no one really tells you how they do. <laughs> they do tell you it's going to be difficult. You're like ah whatever. Yeah, I can so handle it. Yeah. And the reality is, it's it's really hard. Yeah, it is really really hard. And so sometimes I just like to do a video of like, okay, this is my whole day's work. And yeah, you know, it's not just me faffing around on Instagram and like looking great with my red lipstick or whatever. Yeah, totally. I totally hear you. And for you, um, so you totally shut off like between the time you go to bed and then the time you, you know, open your emails in the morning. Yeah, I actually put my phone in my bathroom. Really? Yeah. I I leave it in my around nine forty five, my phone's off, charging in my bathroom. I don't touch it. Wow, that's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Because otherwise it's a void. I totally I'm in bed next to my husband. Yeah, both literally scrolling on social media, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it, yeah. So, I have really decided. So I bought a little clivet, a little alarm clock. Okay, that was my question. How do you wake up? I bought an alarm clock. A really, wow. really cool Beigeville alarm clock. I should really actually put it on social media and show you. It's so good, and it's it works really well. 
and I feel I sleep so much better. I can't imagine. I can imagine because even I think about myself like last night, I mean, usually I sleep well, but last night I was like kind of like antsy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll go on my phone again and like look at Vinted. Yeah. Or like okay. go on Instagram or something I like that, that the whole time. And like, you know, when you wake up quite early, which I usually do, because I always wake up around 6 30 in the morning. And my alarm clock goes off between 7 and 7 15. And usually I'm like on my phone from 6 30. And so this morning, so I didn't want to wake up my husband. I was literally like lying in bed. And it's also time to think, mm-hmm. you know, really think about your day, your organization, what you're going to be doing, how you should answer that email. And also, I always feel like when you have a problem, I, I try and pause on it and be like, why? Not such a problem, but sometimes when I'm frustrated or irritated or jealous about something, it's also a good time to be like, okay, why are you feeling jealous? Like, mm-hmm. what made you initiate that thing of not feeling well? Well, it's because they got invited there and not me. Yeah. Okay, well, why does that bother you? Yeah. You know, so it's always a way, I think, for me, when you are calm without your phone and without social media, without vintage, without all that stuff. Yeah. Without that noise, actually, to mm-hmm. really internally listen to your intuition and try and just reconnect a little bit, which is vital. And the weekends, do you, like, completely shut off? Do you kind of not shut off? I ask because for me, I don't always shut off and it doesn't really bother me, but... No, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I usually, I'm not so good on Friday afternoons, I have to say. Okay. Usually on Friday afternoons, I tend to just not take calls and just try and just work on my emails and figure yeah. out my week, etc. Shut off from Friday around 4.35 p.m. Saturday around 6, I just go through my emails and send off the couple of things I need to send off before the yeah. Monday. And Sunday, I'm usually really chilled. But I really don't mind working on weekends. It's not something that bothers me. I love what I do. And also, I hate knowing that I haven't replied to an email. Same. It, like, really bothers me. And people are like, you look really eager when you reply so quickly to a client. Yeah, I don't care. Me neither. Like, I really don't I get it. It's not that I'm eager. I'm just very organized. And I just hate. Also, when I don't reply quickly, I tend to forget to reply. Same. And that is like, and it always, always happens. And so I'd rather just, there's a French expression which says, so what's what's done isn't to do anymore. Yeah. Which I think is a really good way of like seeing. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it, it is all about balance. And I think, you know, everyone's different. And so some people do need that like yeah. shut off on the weekends. But, you know, you do that during the week at night. Yeah. Yeah. I think people also, if it's not your company, I also understand that yeah. Friday you're like, you know what? I'm out of here. Like I'm not, I'm not paid to work on weekends. But when there is your own company, you know, I think there are no limits to when you work, but also I think it's super important to know when you have to shut off. And last March, I think I was really, really, really ill and really, really, really tired. And mm-hmm. I just, I just, I think I couldn't function properly. And I told my parents, I, I'm out, like I'm going to go, I'm taking my Friday off and I'm leaving Thursday evening to Sevilla. And my parents were like, well, you can't do that. You know, you have responsibilities. You can't just, you know, so my parents just have a work ethic, which is yeah. hard that they don't really have much empathy in the sense. Mm-hmm. So you always have to move, 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 move. I did it. And I have to say, I came back feeling much better. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also important to know when you have to stop and really stop. Um, yeah. But at Christmas time, I take away social media off my phone. Oh, really? Yeah. For how long? 10 days. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's like a pretty big yeah. detox yeah. or whatever. So in pause. You know, because at Christmas, you always feel massive FOMO of people having a better time True. on massive holidays and doing this and doing that. And it's really unhealthy. Totally. Like, you just, it's, 
it's you just have to accept what you want to do and just not really compare yourself and the problem with social media it's great tool which i love but it's also one which you compare yourself so much to other people absolutely and that to me after listening a little bit more to yourself is something that bothers me yeah you know i'm not thin enough i'm not cool enough yeah it's just right why were they invited why am i not i mean yeah i get it it's like I think, you know, you can even be as confident as you want to be and you just can't take that away. I think it's just human. Yeah. I think it does come with loving and knowing your worth a little bit. Yeah. Um, and I think with time, the older you get, the more you, you know, kind of balance and announce like, well, it's actually, I was having such a big night. I wouldn't have gone anyway. Yeah. You know, exactly. Trying to figure out the exactly. right wording. Um, or if I wasn't invited, maybe it's because I didn't make an effort with the brand, then I should make more of an effort. Yeah. You know, and actually maybe that is something you should work on. Yeah. So, I think that is ways of learning through stuff, but social media is um, is a little bit of an issue, I think, for a lot of young people. So um, you brought up your parents a couple of times. Um, I love my family too. Um, what kind of, what did your parents do? They're not entrepreneurs, I assume. Well, my family kind of is. Okay. But so my, so on my mom's side, her three sisters, their four girls, are all massive entrepreneurs. One's a really, really big interior decorator. Wow. One created Irina Papa English version called wow. Lara, which is huge. Um, Lara is a really big yoga teacher. So we do have that thing about about creating. My parents started with not so much money, but mm-hmm. both were in finance, worked really, really, really hard. So had that value of money. Yeah. Which is what really, you know, I got I got brought up in such a, you know, good environment and super privileged and went to really good schools and everything. But I think because my parents earned their money, yeah, it was a really good education to have. It was like, yes, you can you can have pocket money because mm-hmm. you have money, but how much you need and why and what, what you'll spend it on. So right. therefore, they really taught us, because I have two brothers quite young, how to look after money sensibly. And I think for creating a company, that's really important. Definitely. Um because, you know, when you get a big amount of investors putting big amounts of money, yeah. sometimes it's like, oh, great, we've got millions on the bank account. Let's, yeah. you know, go and buy new offices and this and that. Uh, no, I yeah. think it's really knowing your priorities and, and knowing what's a good investment, et cetera. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, so Tagwalk, what did the kind of evolution look like? So you started it. You were 26 years old. You were like, OK, I want to do this. This makes sense. This is practical. This is going to help me and it's going to help people. What happened next? Um, I mean, it's been seven years now. I think the idea was a good idea. Yeah. I think as I worked in the industry before and people knew me as an assistant and I was a pretty rigorous one. So I got on well with a lot of PRs. Yeah. And therefore, when I came up to them saying like, this is my idea, this is what I'm doing. No one was like, oh God, you know, whatever. So they, they really gave me time. And I think the industry really helped me mm-hmm. and gave me time, gave me attention. A lot of journalists helped me a lot. They did a lot of papers. And then Carmen Busquets, who's my first investor. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I think that's a really good lesson. So she's my first investor. I did actually know her personally. A lot of people met me and said, oh, you kind of make us think a little bit of a young Natalie Masne or your energy or this and that. You should really meet Carmen. So I think about eight different people put me in contact with her. But no reply, no reply. And then I went out, because at the time it used to go out, and I saw Thomas, who's like her right hand, and Thomas, I was like, oh my God, I emailed you a million times. Yeah, I've been in contact a million times. So met Carmen. Carmen was, I mean, she's so smart. And she has such an intuition and such vision. She invested straight up after my company was about maybe six months old. Mm-hmm. 
And then Adrian Cheng, who's based in China, he's got C Ventures. They invested about a year and a half after us. Those are kind of the two big raises we did. Mm-hmm. That was about six years ago. And then then I started figuring out my business plan, right? Because I don't really have a business plan. So then I get it. like, okay, how, you know, how is it going to work? How are people going to be paying this? What what are our goals? But we got lost a lot of the time during Tag Walk. Like now I feel that we're in a really, really good place where we have an amazing team. And my team is extraordinary. Um, How big is your team? We're about 20, 20, 20. That's pretty big. It's big. But also now the team is properly um, incredible. So I think there were so many trials and errors. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I used to be a not such a good boss because I know it's so young. I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah, of course. You know, literally so much to learn. I think now with time and probably with a better vision and and because the people around me are so good i can rely on them much more yeah which means that i'm less stressed and therefore it's more of a conversation instead of me telling them what to do so it just changes the whole energy so the team's amazing vision's really good um you know loads of very faithful users we have 145,000 active users it's a lot it is but then again you know i think a big subscription base is about 700,000. So we still have, you know, a long way to go. Yeah. Sense. But I think some something like Business of Fashion started becoming big-ish around 300,000, um, you know, subscri- subscribers. So, so we're not far. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of really building that. And the people are super sticky, super loyal, um, use us three times a day, 10 times a day. Wow. Sometimes, you know, four times a month or whatever it is. And so we're just really giving a service to people. And we get qualified information. And that's kind of the focus now is a little bit more focused on the information that we can provide yeah. and, you know, to clients, whether it's, um, I don't know, people who buy younger brands out. So yeah. big funds or VCs or it could be a luxury brands who need to figure out how their brand's performing. So it's a, it's a really interesting um, position we're in right now. And also with AI becoming so big, yeah. guys, that could probably help you guys, right? It is. I think the thing is, Tag Walk, is not a tech company, it's a data company. Okay. So tech is great, but we haven't we don't have fifty human beings working only on tech. Right. And tech goes very quickly. Right. So what I tell investors and, and you know VCs and stuff is if you want tech, it's human. Yeah. And give me four million people four million euros. I'll I'll hire the best guys and yeah. the tech will be there. Yeah. But the data is time. And yeah. so so AI is really helpful for us to tag images and yeah. we're developing everything internally. We have for the last three, four years. We tag by product, then it kind of goes to an API live from the show, pre-tags the images, so we have it. I think we have to push on it, but also we haven't raised money in a long time. Yeah. So now the balance is trying to figure out, you know, what's worth more money right now? Is it putting all my eggs in the same basket for AI? Yeah. Is it splitting between AI and data science and data analyst and products? So, you know, it's just, it's a really interesting, um, tech is important, but I think tech is money. I'm really glad you explained that because I think that a lot of people get really like concerned or they're like, oh, your business is going to die. I mean, I even hear it for myself or like for journalists, and all this, like AI is going to take over the world and there's going to be nothing. And I think it's really interesting and important that you make that clarification because I think that, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, chat GPT is pretty good, though. Like it is. It's super helpful. helpful. I'm like, what do I answer to this question? So they're like, well, if we were you, you should. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, that was so good. So I think like tools should be used to help us. Yeah. Um, but they'll never take away the human touch on anything. Because you need to know the right question to ask, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it really takes two to tango, but 
AI does help us, but also it's just a lot of money to invest and it's like a cool thing to do. So everyone's doing it. Yeah. Um, and we never really raised the money to be a tech company. So that's kind of where Tagwalk's messaging was wrong a month, two, and not two years ago. And we've pivoted it to, you know, what the tech's there, whatever, you know, we, we know we're good, but our data is excellent. Right. You know, so that that's kind of the messaging. And so um, I guess it finished. So you're half um, British, half uh, French. We yeah. talked about the beginning. And as an entrepreneur and as a manager, like what what do you take from your British side and what do you take from your French side? And like what inspires you to be kind of the best Alexander you can be? I think British are much more open-minded and yeah. um, always kind of welcoming and quite energetic. And totally. Chatty and they could literally speak to like a door and they yeah. like really nice. I think that's a really, really important trait for entrepreneurs. And also when you're an entrepreneur, you have to sell yourself. Yeah. You know, you have to, to sell yourself, you have to really kind of have that high energy level the whole time. So I think definitely that I'm very good at, very English, I, I would say, I, um, I have very good manners. So I always thank people, I write handwritten notes, I put them in the post. And it's small things, but when I think when you start a company, it's those little details that also make people be like, oh, you know what, I spent half an hour helping that girl and actually sent me this very nice email, this very nice handwritten note. And, you know, you people remember that. For sure. And I think people tend to not do it or... But one thing I also really learned is you've got nothing to lose by randomly emailing people. So that happened to me twice recently, three times actually in the last six months. I listened to this really good podcast called Why Startups Fail. Mm -hmm. And Tommy Summon, who's an amazing author who wrote that book, did a great podcast. And he said something in there which I didn't really understand. I was like, I don't really get what he's saying. So I emailed him. I figured out his Harvard. Uh, yeah, yeah. A really big professor at Harvard. Figured out his Harvard email address. Wrote him a very simple email. I'd be like, thank you so much for the podcast. So good. I didn't quite get this passage. Like, how do you think I should be doing in my situation? And he actually replied. And well, like, that's all. Then I messaged this really big guy in America. Really, really big CEO being like, I'm in LA. Would love to see you. This is what my company does. A huge guy. Yeah. And like half an hour later, the president of that company was like, Thingy thingy forwarding me email, would love to have a coffee. Awesome. So I just feel like, you know, worst comes to worst, they wouldn't have replied. Yeah. But best comes to best, they reply. Yeah. So I think there's also something of not being scared of going to get, which is more of a British thing. Yeah. Maybe a boarding school thing or something, but. And French? Or do you not feel very French? I don't like my French side so much. I think my French side is very tough. Uh huh. I think my English side is a bit softer. Um, I think the good thing about my French side is that I am very honest and I am very blunt and that is very French, except it's just the way it's on my stomach's making noise. Um, but I think French just cut cut the bullshit, right? So yeah. I, I'm a bit like that. It's difficult to be like that. Yeah. Um, I think especially when you're a woman, you always feel like you're going to be too bossy or too demanding or too this or too that. So that's like a whole other topic to discuss. But yeah, I think the French side is a little bit more speaking up your mind and just being brutally honest about it and then you just move on yeah you know thank you so much thank you it was so lovely to meet you and chat thank you great